tonight at Ground Zero Meetings, we're going to continue in our ABC uh, teaching series, and, and tonight letter is M, which is maker. And it's so important for us to understand that God is more than just God. You know, in this day society, we can say God, and it can mean literally a thousand different things. You know, I believe in God. I'm spiritual. You know, and yet you can be having a, a godly conversation with somebody, and you're being spiritual, and yet your belief systems are completely opposite because you believe in God. You know, and for me, you know, I, I had this transition in my life. You know, I went to church as a kid, and, and nothing really made a lot of sense. And, you know, I was a very broken and rebellious young man, and and I did a lot of things that were uh, considered breaking the law, and sometimes the police figured they thought I should not do that, and they came to hang out with me and put silver bracelets on me. But, you know, that I came to a place of brokenness in my life that I didn't believe in God. If, if there was a God, then how can I have all this pain in my life? If there was a God, how come there's all this brokenness in this world? If there was a God, then how come the priests and the pastors and the church is doing all these awful things? If there was a God, then how come there's all this war? And in the name of God, there's been more people killed. And we have all these excuses of why God is not God. But in my life, I've come to this place where I was so broken and nothing was working. No matter where I turned, I just found more pain. And it's funny because in my stance as an atheist and I don't believe in God, it was still God's fault. Tricky how that works. I'm so mad at you, I'm not going to believe in you, but I'm going to blame you for everything. You know, and... As I continued in this process of doing things my way, I found myself in more and more broken places. You know, and some of you have heard most of this, and I had about five months in, in recovery, and I was literally suicidal and because my coping mechanisms were being stripped from me, and, and I did not know how to handle life. And I did not like myself, and I did not like this world, and I did not like having to cope, and I did not like having to work, and I did not like having, you know, deal with anything. And I came to this realization that there was things in my life that no matter how hard I tried, there was nothing I could do to change them. And one of them is the anger that I had on the inside, really rage. You know, it didn't take much to set me off. And the shame that I felt for all the things that had happened to me and all the things that I've done to others, that I just had this overwhelming shame that I just lived in this place of unworthiness and lived in this place of brokenness, depression, anxiety. You know, the, the list goes on and on of the stuff that I would struggle with on a regular basis. You know, and I went to a meeting one day and, you know, and, Someone confronted me, you know, and it said, all you do is come to these meetings and complain. The least you could do is pray. And I was a very open and arrogant and voice-filled, you know, atheist that I was, you know, you know, very quick to share against spiritual topics and people talking about God and telling people how stupid it was. But yet I am the most miserable person in the room. 
in, you know, how dare you tell me I need to pray? Don't you know? Don't you respect my belief system? You know, like, it's so stupid, you know, the ways that I used to think, you know. And I remember leaving that meeting and, and having this voice now that started to to fester. You know, I'd try to complain, and I'd hear this little voice, say, well, why don't you pray about it? Now, as an atheist, that kind of messes with you, you know. I'm just saying, you know, because I want to just continue in my murmur, 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 complain, 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 you know, if the world was just the way I would have it, then things would be perfect, you know, but every time I ever get what I want, I'm still never satisfied or happy, and I began to pray, you know, and I was still so arrogant that I didn't say God, you know, I just said, take my anger, take my anger, take my anger, and help me to forgive myself, help me to forgive myself, help me to forgive myself, and as many of us in here have prayed at certain times of our life, nothing happens. That's not necessarily how it works. It's like, you know, I'm going to rub my Bible and all of a sudden, poof, Jesus appears like, ta-da, here I am to serve you. You know, it's not how this works, you know. But I was desperate. And I prayed every night before I went to bed the same exact, you know, way. And one day I woke up different than I went to bed. Like, whoa, you know, and a weight had been lifted. You know, I'm not going to tell you all my anger was gone. I'm not going to tell you all the shame was gone. But I definitely, something had happened. And I was like, whoa, there's something to this prayer stuff. You know, and the Bible, or the big book tells us that God couldn't would if he were sought. Now, I, I remember going in the meeting and said, I don't know, I've been trying this prayer stuff and something's happening. And, and I think everyone cheered because they were tired of listening to my nonsense. Thank you, Jesus. You know, um. You know, and I remember that when I was younger and in my most miserable state, you know, my mom would tell me that she's going to pray for me and I would curse at her and swear at her, don't you pray for me, you know, and finally things were starting to shift and, and I was still not a lot better, but I was starting to believe that there was something out there and I wasn't able to put my finger on it, you know, and, and I went down a lot of different paths, you know, I tried some wicked stuff and, and I, I, I realized that you reach a place and it's like it contradicts in my mind. And I didn't have a very a very big understanding of religiousness or, or God, but it's like, you know, at some point, like, things don't make sense to me. You know, so I, you know, I had this pile of rocks in my pocket with all these different words on it, and I had all these oils and crystals and stones and this, that, and the other thing, that you got to have this for acceptance and this for forgiveness and spray this on you and this oil and this. I'm like, enough. That's too much. You know, like, I'm literally carrying about five pounds of rocks in my pocket, you know, so I can get better. You know, all I needed to really do was stand on one, but that's enough. It took a couple more years. But, you know, our belief system grows and changes and morphs. You know, and I remember... You know, I'm believing in God, and I'm getting better, and but stuff's still not working. Like, I am still miserable on the inside. You know, and having some sobriety time and still being extremely depressed and, and not knowing how to get out of the box, basically. And going back to relapse because of another broken relationship and, and coming back. And, and someone invited me to celebrate recovery, and... You know, I ended up going because it, it can't hurt me. I was literally in a crack house like a week ago. You know, off the church I go. And I remember hearing about Jesus for the very first time. And it was like, 
I mean, I'd never heard it going to church. It's like, you know, that he loves me more than I could ever know, and there's nothing that I could have ever done that he won't forgive me, and he wants to have this relationship with me because he loves me so much that he wants to help me change more than I'm really allowing him to let me. And he just wants to, to come into my heart and, and completely change me, and I just sat there, and I'm crying, and I'm like, this can't be real. It's too good to be true. You know, and I started going to that meeting, and a few weeks had passed, and I went to church, and, you know, I accepted the Lord on the first day that I went to church, and it was kind of a shock to me, you know, the pastor said, does anybody want to accept Jesus? And I was kind of up out of my chair and walking towards the front of the church before I realized, like, what are you doing? You know, here's all these people staring at the, the crazy Satan guy walking in the church with all the tattoos and piercings and a flame shirt, like... <clears throat> And I remember having this interaction with the pastor that day, and he asked me, do you want to accept Jesus? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, what am I doing? I'm about to become religious. This is crazy. And he started talking to me, and if I accept Jesus in my heart, he's going to change me. He's going to fill me to overflowing. And that really hit me because I felt like I was a virus, that no matter what I touched, you know, if I got around you, your life would start to get bad because I was so bad. You know, and I just had this bad mojo, and I'm cursed, and, you know, and I got dealt the wrong hand, you know, and this is the deck, or this is the hand that I've had to deal with my whole life, and, you know, this is fate, and, you know, all the nonsense, you know, that we have a lot of misbelief systems about God, and even as Christians, we still don't have a firm grasp of the gospel sometimes. You know, and it really affects our ability to walk with him. If we think that God is just God, that he's a maker, he made us, he's the potter and we're the clay, that he knows us intimately. And when we, we look at this aspect of who he is, that he is not far off somewhere, he's really actually really close and he, he knitted us together from within our mother's womb with a purpose and a destiny. You know, many of you have siblings with the same parents, and you're absolutely nothing like your sibling. <laughs> now, if it was just up to your parents to make you, you would be pretty similar to your siblings. But yet, your temperaments are different, your personalities are different, your looks are different. Why? Because God had a part to play in this, even though your parents did as well. And when we really begin to look at God as a maker... It helps us to see him as more intimate, that he's he's making us into new things, that the old is gone and the new has come because of what Jesus has done, that so often we're striving to make ourselves better. And don't get me wrong, there's work for us to be doing. And so often we think of God as this hocus pocus and we're going to pray enough and he's going to give us the suddenly every time we pray. And when we don't get the suddenlies, then we get really frustrated with God and we think that we're doing something wrong. So we might as well go sin since I'm already doing something wrong. And we keep going around and around in these circles. But when we look at him as a maker and he is at work and he has a purpose and a plan and he's working everything together for good for those that love him according to his purposes, that he wants us to follow him, that he wants us to, to interact with him, 
that when we look at him as a maker, that he's making our lives into something. That it's not necessarily us doing it. That we can boast in our weakness and glorify him. Why? Because he's interacting with every little detail of our lives. You know, recently, you know, God has been showing me some new things. You know, and I live in this Petri dish of an experiment. You know, I I have my own junk that I'm working through and have my own relationship with God. And yet I'm helping, you know, seven other guys work with their relationship with God and work through their stuff as well. So I get to see little pieces, how God's moving in, in all these different ways. And it shows me aspects of him and how he's, he's, he's arranging and moving and shifting and, and how we, we push against him and how we, we resist him and how we don't think that he's right and how we, we refuse to do it his way because I'm going to do it my way. And he constantly just says, okay, good luck with that. And then it, it, it hurts and we're like, God, where are you? And he's like, oh, wait right here. Because he loves us. He, he lets us have those moments where we, we go off path. And we don't surprise him. Because he made the path that we went that direction in. He, he's not shocked when we, we, we push against and we, we rebel. Because he made us. But he also sets in place the trials and the circumstances that bring around the heart issues, the motives that are on the inside that, that expose us for the wretch that we really are. And eventually we get so sick and tired of being us that we finally say, enough of this, and Jesus is what I really want. And eventually we let go of one thing after another and we start progressing down this path towards more Jesus. That I wish that the day that I decided to say, you know what, there must be a God, that poof, I was instantly translated in this perfect human being. But that's not true. That's not how this works. That None of us are going to wake up tomorrow and say, yeah, I got this Christ-likeness thing down. You know what, I'm just going to walk around all Jesus-y today. That it's constant work. You know, we deny ourselves, you know, and we get up and we say, you know what, God, thank you for this new day. And by the time we hit our feet are on the floor, we've probably already sinned in one way or another. You know, and by noon, we've probably wanted to choke out at least three people. And one of them's probably ourselves. You know, that life is life. You know, and we're working to, to, to glorify him and to represent him well. But there's times that... We think that God is distant. And what helps me is realizing that he is not distant. You know, if he has given me the same power that rose Christ from the grave, it dwells within me. The greater is he that's in me than, than he who's in the world, that he's not far off somewhere. He's right here all the time. So even when I'm going through the hardest of points of my day, Jesus is some way or form at work in this. Why? Because he's orchestrating. Why? Because he's our maker and he set that thing in place. Why? Because he wants us to overcome. You know, and so often it's the resistance that helps us to become greater. 
that helps us to become stronger, just as there's weights in the gym. That I can go to the gym if I don't lift any of the weights. I'm not getting any stronger, but I can claim I'm a gym member. And so often we go to church, but we're not overcoming this world. So I'm a Christian, but I'm not walking with him very well sometimes. Why? Because I'm still trying to do it my way. Why? Because I think God is distant, and I think that these circumstances aren't fair, so let me just do what I want to do anyway. But when I realize that he's my maker and he's involved in my life, and that the circumstances that are in my life are in some way, shape, or form helping me to grow, because I can learn to rejoice in my trial, because he's teaching me to persevere, because he's working on my character so that my hope is in him and him alone, that I can be sustained by him and satisfied by Jesus and only Jesus, that there is nothing else in this entire world that can give me what Jesus can give me. So he sets before me the very trials that I have to go through to teach me that nothing in this world can give me what Jesus can give me. That is why I rejoice, not in the fact that I'm going through something difficult is because I get more Jesus and I become more like Jesus through the trial? Why? Because He's made it. He set that in front of us so that we could get more of Him. And so often we look at the trial as some sort of punishment and that God is not still not just. But when we look at Him as a maker and He's the potter and we're the clay and we become moldable, that He begins to shape our lives a little bit more. And before we realize that we look back and we're like, I'm doing way better at this Jesus thing than I was six months ago. Right? You know, where were you last year at this time? What were you doing a year ago? And even, you know, even though we think, you know, I'm not growing and this ain't working, you really kind of look back at certain events. You know, where were you at Memorial Day? Where were you at St. Patty's Day? Where were you at the beginning of the year? And you kind of look over periodically every three months. You're like, I'm really growing. Jesus is really at work. Even though I've made some mistakes, I'm doing better than I was. Now, what would happen if I really committed to Jesus and allowed him to really shape me into the man or woman that he's wanting me to be and stop resisting him all the time? What would happen if I really got with the game plan of his will for my life and stopped telling him he was wrong all the time? All of a sudden, we begin to realize that things start flowing a little bit more smoothly. And we see the pothole as it comes. And we're like, you know what? I'm not stepping in that one today. I know what happens when I go in that direction. You know what? I know what's going to happen if I answer that text message. You know what? I'm gonna, I know what's going to happen if I go hang out with that person. You know what? I know what's going to happen if I go here. Why? Because he's renewing our minds and we're starting to see what he sees and why he's been saying get away from that person and why he's been saying you need to shut that door and why he's been telling that it's time to move over here and why he's been telling you, you know, that this is supposed to happen and that's supposed to happen. And we think it's that little voice that we're not really sure what it is. But he is all the time talking to us. Why? Because He loves us. Why? He made us. Why? He wants to shape us into His image. Why? Because He wants us to progress. Why? Because He wants us to have a blessed life. Why? Because we're His beloved. He made us. So if we just think God is far off somewhere, it gives us way too much wiggle room. Way too much wiggle room to, to think He's not present. 
But when we, we, we look at him as this intimate God, and we look at him as this loving God, and we look at him as this God who is actually dwelling inside of us through the Holy Spirit, he's interacting with us all day, every day. We just have to tune in. And so often we're so distracted by our own nonsense and someone else's nonsense and Facebook and this and that and family drama and work drama and money drama that I I lose track of the fact that God's good. I remember after Jesus really started getting a hold of me and shaking stuff up. You know, and reading through the Bible and looking at some of the big book and saying, wow, this is a lot similar. And, you know, and all of a sudden, step work started to really make a lot of more sense. And, and there was more to this God stuff. I remember sitting in the meeting and, you know, as we read the 12 steps in this area, you know, before every meeting, and normally I just tune them out. It's like I've heard them a million times, whoop de do. I don't know what they are, but I I don't want to listen to them. And I'm sitting there, and I just got my head down, and and they're reading through the steps. Step two is that I came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. Step three, I turned my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand Him. And it was like, from that point on, I was totally somewhere else, because God was starting to interact with me and speak to me. And It's like, I bypass those steps because I think I believe in God. Those aren't believe in God's steps. What I believe about God is in that step. Do I believe in a God that's going to restore me? Or do I just believe in a God? And so often we skip the second step because I believe in a God. But I don't believe that God can restore me. So if I don't believe in a God that can restore me, what good is the belief in the God? Well, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe he's going to restore me. So what good is Jesus? What I believe about Jesus, what I believe about my maker, is what makes him real, what makes him intimate, what makes him different than any other God. Otherwise, Jesus is just an idol and I just use him to get what I want, just like I would any other God. Or am I trying to build a relationship with Jesus so that he can make me into what he wants, so that I fulfill his purposes in my life, so that I become what he has created me to be, because he has knitted me together. He has a purpose and a plan for me. How many of us have chased our own dreams and and not been able to fulfill them and not felt satisfied when we even accomplished what we think we wanted? I worked so hard to get to certain places, and I get there, and this isn't what I want. Why? Because it's not what I was made to do. And then I step out of what I want into what he starts leading me to, and I have more peace, more happiness, more joy, more love, and I have absolutely no money. And it's like, this makes no sense. He's like, yeah, I know. My kingdom's different than what you would think it would be. That's why they didn't recognize me when I came. That he's at work in our lives. And a lot of the times what he's doing, we don't see it. Why? Because he's trying to heal and restore and we think it won't work. So we won't do it. Because why? I'm still my own creator. I'm still my own God. I'm still the one that's in control. I still have yet to release it to my maker. 
I turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand Him. How do I understand God? Well, it's just me with superpowers in the sky, so I can just pray and I get what I want. How is that working for it? It isn't. How do I turn my will over? I don't know. Well, what I've learned is I turn my will over according to my knowledge and understanding of the Word of God. The Word of God is what points my ability in the direction towards more Jesus and gives me the ability to lay down my life and follow Him. But if I don't believe in a God that can restore me, why would I turn my will over to Him? So here I am, bypassing two steps because I believe in God, but I don't believe anything about what the step is trying to tell me to do. Do I believe in a God that's going to restore me? Do I believe in a God that I can turn my will over? Well, I believe in God. Well, what is it that you believe about God? Well, he's, he's up there somewhere, right? You know, and it's so important for us to build this relationship with God. And how do we do that? We do that by the Word of God. We have a mind renewed according to the Word of God. So we do that because He is alive in this book. You know, Scripture is God's breath breathed upon us. If any of us have spent any amount of time reading a little bit, even if we don't understand the majority of what we're reading, there's times that all of a sudden this verse just pops off the page and it's like he's speaking right to us. This is like exactly what I needed to hear. You have no idea what's going on in the rest of the page, but this one verse all of a sudden, whoa. And it's something about the Bible and no other book that can do that. Why? Because it's literally his word. And Jesus is the Word. So it's literally Jesus in our hands teaching us about Him so that we can follow Him, so that we can become more like Him, so that we can do what He wants. Why? Because He made us. And when we look at Him as a maker and not just God, it changes up the way we interact with Him because it helps us to realize that He knows more about us than we could possibly even know about ourselves. You know, if I want to know about Apple, I'm going to dig up Steve Jobs and pray that he becomes a zombie and teaches me about Apple products. Why? Because he created it. You know, if I want to learn about gateway computers, I'm going to go to Seattle and talk to Bill Gates. Why? Because he created it. He knows the most about it. You know, God knows the most about us because he created us and he put it down in his word of how we're supposed to live. And all the knuckleheads that came before us to try to do it their own way, they're in there too. You know, what I love about the Bible is I find myself in all these broken people still trying to do it their way and it doesn't work. And then I find some people that are really, really jacked up and God uses them anyway. Gives me a lot of hope. You know, here's this guy, Saul, who's completely religious, that goes around killing Christians because he knows what's right. And then, you know, God knocks him off his hiney, you know, and he becomes blind and says, what are you doing? You're persecuting my people. And he's like, Lord, Lord. He instantly knew who was talking to him. Never heard God before that moment. Never heard Jesus speak to him before that moment. Instantly knew. God transforms his life, and he, he literally writes two-thirds of the New Testament and travels all over Mesopotamia, all over the Middle East, telling people about this, this guy, this Jewish carpenter that rose from the dead that is really the Messiah. Everybody thought he was nuts. 
kept throwing him in jail. The Greeks thought he was God. Like, is that Zeus? Like, no, I just believe in Jesus. Let me tell you about this unnamed God. And when we begin to learn about our maker, when we begin to, to really intimately begin to spend more time with Jesus, and it's difficult at first. It doesn't make a lot of sense at first. You know, one of the first hurdles that I had to get over is that why would he even love me? I'm an absolute train wreck. But it's not about me. That he died for me long before I was ever born because he knew that I would need him. That while I was still his enemy, he laid his life down for me. So it's not about my good behavior. It has nothing to do with my good behavior. It has everything to do that he had the whole grand scheme figured out from the get-go. And he decided to do it his way because he knew that we could never get it figured out. Thank you, Jesus. And we're still learning. I'm learning. He's still unwinding and untwisting all the crazy things that have happened to us. He's healing us a little bit at a time. Sometimes there are suddenlies. Most of us in here have had a suddenly in one shape or form or another. And we like that. That's really cool. We wish you duplicated more. But you know what? Sometimes when we get too many suddenlies or we think we should get suddenlies, we stop doing the work. And then we're not being disciplined in our life, and he's called us to be disciples. Why? Because he knows we need discipline. You know, what God told me and showed me many years ago, you know, as so many people complain about the devil, well, the devil made me do it. No, you pretty much just wanted to do that. I'm pretty sure the devil didn't really need to help you much at all. Yeah, you're pretty much a wretch. Yeah, but I like blaming the devil because then I don't have to be accountable for my actions. You know, that the devil isn't down here chasing us around as much as we want. We, we screw up pretty much just on our own. We don't need the devil's help. But it's nice having a scapegoat, and he's more than willing for us to glorify him in our, in our folly. But the truth of the matter is that the devil's been defeated. Sin and death has been defeated on the cross. He really has no power. Except for when we hand it to him. And we're really good at handing it to him. And we have to realize that the reason that the enemy, the devil's still here, is really God's ultimate practical joke. Because here's this, this angel named Lucifer that wants to be God, and he wants to overthrow the maker, who made him, by the way, and take over heaven. And the father's like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to get out of here. And he casts him out to earth. And a third of the angels go with him. Because he was an influencer. And from that point forward... He's been setting this thing in place where human beings, a lesser being necessarily, has authority over him. And then he comes along and he says, you know what? It's time for my son to enter in the earth at this perfect time when all these different things work together. And you really study the time frame that Jesus entered the world. It's pretty amazing all the different things that are at place that happened and why the good news was able to travel as far as it did, as fast as it did. 
It's pretty neat. <clears throat> but then he gives us the same power that rose Christ from the grave, which is the same power that defeated sin and death. So the same power that defeated the devil now dwells within us. Greater is he who is in us. The maker decided to put himself inside of us so that we would have authority, dominion, which we were told to have in the garden. But then the Satan deceived us and we gave it to him. That he gave it back to us. He's like, uh-huh, watch this. I got a wild card. His name is Jesus. That we spend the rest of our lives showing our authority over the enemy and chasing him around. That we build the church at the gate of hell and it can't prevail against us, not by our own strength and might, but it's because of Jesus in us. That we can begin to take stands in our life and say, you know what, no more of that. You know what, I'm taking authority in this area. Now, it, it doesn't mean that I, I can just, you know, haphazardly throw scriptures around. But it does mean that if I begin to allow Jesus to work in my life, that he's making me into this powerful man, this powerful woman of God that does not have to fear the enemy. That the armor of God is all offensive. There is no retreat. It's all move forward. Advance. Take the land. But first we have to surrender our lives. And so often we're trying to still control our own lives and we still continue to make messes of it. Why? Because we don't believe that the maker knows what he's doing. And then when it doesn't work our, our, our way, we blame the maker. Like, see? It's your fault. It's like, I never told you to do that. Actually, I, I told you pretty much like 153 times not to do that. But yeah, but I wanted to do it. I know. It was a bad idea. And we still have to continue to learn that my way doesn't work. His way always works. Why? Because it's already blessed. Because he decided that's the way it is. It's so important for us to grow in our intimacy with the Father, the Maker. And as we grow with this intimate relationship, we realize that he's not far off somewhere. He's right here right now. He's moving. He's moving in this room. That he loves us so much that he never gives up on us. That his grace, there is so much in his grace that it not only set us free from sin, it empowers us to overcome sin. That his love that is now in us is propelling us forward into a better life, whether we like it or not. Now we may stay stagnant for a minute. We might go around in the wilderness for a minute. But him in us won't let us stay there. We won't get comfortable. We can't get comfortable in sin. It, it, it's like, I don't like this anymore. And we may try it and try it and force it and get angry at him because he won't let us do it. And we get frustrated and we, ah, I'm doing it anyway. And we fight him. Ah, but it, I can't do it. Why? Because we can't be comfortable in our old ways. Why? Because he made it that way. And at some point, we get so frustrated at doing it the same way we've always done it, and yet we believe in Him, but yet we're not listening to Him. And we want Him, but we don't, because I still want to do it my way, because this feels better, but it doesn't feel better. I don't like doing this, but I, and this war's going on inside of us. And eventually we're like, ah, oh, i got to do it Jesus' way. Why? Because He's drawing us. He's drawing us into His will. Why? He made us. 
We didn't save ourselves. I did not wake up one day and be like, you know what, I think I'm going to try this Jesus stuff. I did not want anything to do with this. If you would have told me 15 years ago, this is what I would be doing with my life, I would swear at you and tell you to get away from me. You're absolutely insane. And yet he knew, he knew, he knew. In the midst of my worst day, he knew that someday this is where I would be. As much as I was mocking him, and as much as I was speaking against him, and as much as I didn't believe in him, and as much as I would prefer to sin, and as much as this, and as much of that, he's like, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait till you see what you're going to become. And you know what? Every one of us in here has that. He has great things for each and every one of us. Why? Because he's no respecter of persons. He has great things for all of us. The problem is, is that we have to do it his way and not ours. And that's where the war comes in, is that I want to be in control. And he's like, I'm the maker. Let me make you. I am the potter. You are the clay. And the clay is like, no, don't do that. It hurts. And the potter's like, shut up. Many years ago, when I first got saved, my grandmother was still alive. And she sent me this newspaper clipping in the mail. And it's this very principle. And I have it somewhere, stuffed away, saved in an envelope. And to paraphrase it, you know, it's a story told from the, the Clay's point of view. And the Clay's sitting there, and it's just a lump. And the potter comes a whole, comes along and rips part of the clay out of the other part of the clay. And it hurts. Oh, don't do that. It hurts me. Just as God has ripped us away from family and friends and sin. And at first it hurts and we don't like it. He's separating us from the bunch. He's separating us from the other clay. Because we're all clay. Everyone on this earth is clay. We were all made from the dirt. And he rips us out. And it hurts, and we complain. And his hands get upon us, and we don't understand, and, and he's molding us, and he's shaping us, and we're like, oh, it hurts, I don't like this, it's uncomfortable. And he keeps doing it, and we tell him to stop, and he keeps doing it, and he tell him to stop, and he, can't, he keeps doing it, and, and we keep complaining, and we tell him how it, it's not comfortable, and we don't like this. And eventually, you know, he sticks us in the fire. Like, this is really uncomfortable. And we're yelling and screaming, and we're telling him how he's wrong. And after we've gone through the fire, he takes us out, and he, he puts a glaze upon us. He puts an anointing upon us. He, he puts a mantle upon us. And one day we look at ourselves in the mirror, and we're this beautiful teapot that can be filled with him, that can be poured out into others. And the whole time that we were going through our process, we were complaining and we didn't believe that he knew what he was doing. But eventually, someday, we see ourselves from his perspective and we're like, oh my God, I can't believe that you did that with me. I don't deserve this. I can't believe that I'm capable of doing what you're asking me to do. I can't believe that there is you in me that I can actually give to someone else. Because when we got pulled from the clay, we're nothing but a wretched sinner. But our Father, our Maker, has such a plan for us, such a purpose for us. 
that if we would just believe that He could heal us, if He could just believe that He would restore us, if we could just believe that He has the ability to change every aspect of our lives. He's the God of this universe. He made everything. Why can't He take care of me? Because I won't let Him, because I'm no good. He looks far past that. He looks so far deep in us, and He's like, no, I'm in there. Many years ago, I put myself in there, and you are good. And I have a purpose for you, and I have a plan for you, because I knitted you together in your mother's womb. And I'm making you into something amazing. Just trust me. I can't trust you. Everyone's hurt me. I won't hurt you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I love you too much. Just turn your will over. I can't. I can't. I don't know what's going to happen. I can't release control because my control protects me. But yet, the truth of the matter is, is I've hurt myself more than anybody else on this planet. Just trust me. I can't. I can't. It's uncomfortable. I don't like it. Just trust me. And one day we look at ourselves the way God sees us. We're like, whoa. I'm really beginning to change. I'm really beginning to heal. I'm really beginning to understand Jesus. I'm really beginning to, to believe that there is more for me. In so many years, I, I believe that I was just going to have this horrible life because of everything that I've been through. That my identity is in my sin. My identity is in my old clay. But he has this purpose and his plan. He wants to heal us. He wants to change us. He wants to pour himself in us so much that we overflow and everyone's lives are wrong. Because he's made us and he knows that there is a destiny. There is a purpose. There is greatness in every one of us because he's called us for such a time as this. To walk in this world but not be of it. But to be of him. To be of our maker. To be of our father. To be of Christ. And the only way for that to really take place is when we surrender our will according to the Word of God and learn who He really is, not just the God that I believe in. Because it's so often that we believe in Jesus, but yet we don't believe in Jesus. And it's time for us to figure out who Jesus is for each and every one of us. Because I can't go by what the TV preacher tells me who Jesus is. And I can't go even by what my local pastor teaches me. Even though both of those people may be really good. And maybe they're not. I don't know. I don't know who you're listening to. But what I do know is that word of God is everlasting. That word of God never changes. That word of God is true. And when we read that word of God, whoever's preaching to us, we will know if they're telling us the truth because it aligns with the word of God. And we begin to know who we are according to that word of God. Because he is, he's written that personally for each and every one of us to get to know him. That it's our mirror that we begin to look at it and we see Jesus in it. And we begin to see us in Jesus. And when we begin to walk by the word of God, that we are walking by the very the, the blueprint that he has made for us because he has set it before us. Because he's made it that way. I just really want everyone to have hope that he is he's at work in your life. 
that he is not far off somewhere. No matter what trial you're going through, no matter what circumstance you're going through right now, he is at work in your life. He's working on you. He's working on the people in your family. He's working on the people in your workplace. He's working on your spouse. He's working on your kids. He's working. Why? Because that's who he is. That's who he is. He takes us through what we need to go through to break us off the clay and to begin to make us new. And we have to begin to trust in him and not by our eyes because our eyes deceive us. Because every day we look at stuff and we say, that's not going to work. That's never going to happen. They're not going to get it. And yet people have said that about me. People have said that about you. And yet on a Friday night, we're listening and about Jesus. Most of us in here should be dead. A couple, two, three times over. And yet here we are. Changing and growing and healing and glorifying the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because He's made it that way. You just bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you for your purpose and your plans for us, Lord. I thank you that you never give up on us. I thank you that your ways are way better than our ways, Lord. I thank you that we're still learning, Lord. We're still growing and you never give up on us, Lord. I ask that you come right now and break off strongholds. You break off depression. You break off anxiety. You break off sin in its many different forms, Lord. And help us to grow, Lord. Help us to, to step forward into who you've called us to be. Help us to have a deeper, intimate relationship with you. Help us to believe that you are intimate and you are at work, Lord. That your hands, although they may be difficult, although they may be hurting us right now, although we don't understand it, help us to realize that your heart for us, that you love us so much. So even though we may not understand your hands, help us to reflect upon your heart and know that you love us and that you've prepared us for such a time as this because you've called us out of darkness, Lord. You're teaching us to trust in you. You're teaching us to stand on the rock, Lord. So, Lord, I just ask that you would move in each person's life this night, this very night. In Jesus' name I pray. Many, many, many. At this time, we'll...